This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Denise Prince. Denise is the Senior Vice President, Chief Operating Officer of Population Health Services at Mount Sinai Medical Center in New York, one of the great medical systems in the world. She's going to talk to us today about how population health has been evolving over the last 10, 12 years in the last year, and a little bit more. Denise, can you take a moment to introduce yourself? Hello, Scott. It's a pleasure to be joining you again today. Um, I've been at Mount Sinai for about four years now working in population health. Before that, I was at Geisinger Health System for many years working in post-acute care and venture and in the original uh, Medicare Shared Savings Program and bundles. So uh, I kind of learned pop health by working in a system that had both a health plan and a delivery system. And so been taking that knowledge here in New York City. It, it, it talk for a moment about how you've seen population health evolve from, let's say, a decade ago till today. What are some of the big changes you've seen over the years or perspectives? Well, I think one of the big changes is who who's in the space. So uh, in the early days, the um, large group practices that um, were part of delivery systems were very willing players to pioneer uh, the value-based models, and they worked closely with CMS, and there was a lot of attention focused on them. But over the years, uh, many, many other uh, provider groups and now payers are in the population health space. Uh, we found that primary care groups in particular are very interested in uh, capitation, kind of like uh, California was in the, in the 90s, but now it's uh, spreading across the country and everybody sees the value of uh, improving the type of care that's provided, where it's provided, how it's provided, and finding savings and just better value. And, and take a moment, and you, you see these large primary care groups taking the lead in a lot of capitated arrangements and value-based in population health. And, and then talk a little bit about this past year, there's probably a bigger focus on population health than ever before with the, the, the pandemic and so forth. Any thoughts on how population health may accelerate through the pandemic, how people look at it, their perspectives on it sure. changed? I think the delivery of service has changed dramatically in a short period of time. Uh, key pieces, things that we tried to do for years and struggled with uh, just happened so much more quickly and, and change that would have taken you know years to complete happened almost overnight. Uh, I was just talking with a, a physician friend of mine who was commenting that in our very own health system before the pandemic, about 2% of ambulatory visits were conducted um, using telehealth. And now 25% post, you know, we're sort of post-pandemic, we're beyond the, the peaks anyway, but it's sort of settled down into a new way of doing business where a quarter of the patient visits are now um, conducted remotely. So that's, a, that's just a huge change, and, and that's come about because we changed who we thought it applied to. We thought, well, you know, you have to be kind of younger or tech-savvy to do this, and well, that, that turned out not to be true. Um, we tested with a lot of different um, 
clinical areas, so behavioral health, for example. Well, it turns out people really like seeing their providers, their behavioral health providers, not in a clinic setting, not having an embarrassing waiting room situation, uh, not having to take the extra time to uh, commute there and back. So we tested it and found that it was very convenient and that we had greater compliance to visits. Uh, we found that actually older people could participate in the visits and that it was perhaps easier for their caregivers to facilitate a visit from their home than it was to physically bring them into an appointment. So that really changed uh, the type of care that we can provide and what we think is appropriate. I'd also comment that even the times where you think a kind of a Zoom visit is uh, appropriate can change even mid-visit. I had a colleague comment to me that she had not gone on a family member's visit because she thought it was routine. And then turns out during the visit, there was more serious things happening and that she really needed to be in attendance. So they just Zoomed her in and that was normal. That's not the kind of thing that would have happened you know, 18 months ago, where it was just fine with a physician to bring in other family members at a moment's notice. So the whole idea of the virtual or video presence with a physician and families has totally changed. I think we've also changed uh, our conceptions of home care and when that's appropriate. Certainly, we've accelerated the hospitalization at home effort. Uh, that's, you know, sort of on a temporary uh, approval, but we're hoping that that will be a, a permanent approval, at least as far as Medicare is concerned. I think we've questioned the, the way we use our post-acute facilities, certainly as we've not been able to visit our family members uh, through the pandemic in uh, skilled nursing facilities and the, the difficulty in controlling the exposure to COVID in the facilities, it's really made us think about how we use those facilities, how we interact with them. Should our physicians be going in those facilities more? When is it a good time to um, admit and discharge from those facilities? So that's changing a lot. I think we've all increased our use of remote patient monitoring. That's been aided by the ability to bill for it in a discreet way. And there's been a lot of tools developed to be able to um, track that and make sure that uh, it's a compliant program. But we've seen that we can really improve the outcomes for people with chronic conditions by using uh, remote monitoring. And then uh, finally, I would say that our conception of how social determinants are impacting equity in healthcare and uh, being able to track that data and understand uh, what the barriers are to care and how much they're impacting what happens. Uh, we've incorporating that knowledge in, in the redesign of all our programs. And talk about Denise for a moment. I mean, so many evolutions in care and population health becoming much more sort of the core of what people look at and think about. And, and you've mentioned all these different adjustments in the delivery of care, like having a virtual visit and then bringing a family member in and, and what could be done on the behavioral health side and health equity and more. When you look at all these different things going on, what do you think about when you think about what are you most excited about this year? Well, I'm excited about weaving it together. 
so that it's not just a series of experiments or one-offs or we tried this and then we stopped, but figuring out how does this all fit together over the long term and how do you align the payment models to support those things. Um, the, the learning has been awesome. It, we, it seems that payers, including the federal government, are very interested in sustaining the advances that we've made. So I'm excited about what might become a permanent fixture of our healthcare system. Fantastic. Denise, I want to thank you for joining us again on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. It's always good to hear your perspective and also to hear what Mount Sinai is thinking and doing in a magnificent health system. And you're a great leader. So thank you so much for taking the time to visit with us today. My pleasure, Scott.